Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I have to admit, at times it can feel a little overwhelming, like I have far too many things to do than I have time to do them. That the demands of work, of family, um, of life uh, pull me in so many different directions that um, I find myself addicted to various types of organizational methods, thinking that if I just get my organization right and I get my stuff together, I can handle all of this. The Romans had a way of dealing with this, and that was is that they had the disciplinarian. So parents would essentially have a slave who was the disciplinarian, who watched the kids, made sure that the kids got where they were supposed to go, make sure that the kids were behaving. And the disciplinarian was often a cruel person, constantly pointing out your faults, and because they wanted to maintain that status, even though they were in slavery, it was a good uh, position to have. They oftentimes thought a misbehaving child just needed to be treated a little bit more cruelly. And so Paul uses this very word for the Roman um, household official who was in charge of disciplining the children to talk about the law. And when I thought about this Roman disciplinarian, Miss Hannigan from Annie came to mind. Now, I'm going to have some help here from Sarah Plummer, who is going to teach us how to properly say, We love you, Miss Hannigan. So, we're going to reread Galatians 3, and every time it says the disciplinarian, say, We love you, Miss Hannigan, instead. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to we love you, Miss Hannigan. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. The law was never meant to be the last word or the permanent disciplinarian for us. The law, much like the Roman disciplinarian, could only tell us what was wrong with us as if we didn't know what was already wrong with us and never could fully deal with the realities of human sin and the separation between one another and God that results. The law always was intended to point us to something greater, a fulfillment which would not come from our own action, but from God's action. Paul tells us that now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, we have been made children of God through faith. Jesus' sinlessness and perfection becomes ours in baptism. When God looks upon us, he does not see our disobedience and imperfections. He sees Jesus, the one that he 
beloves. This is my child with whom I am well pleased. Are words that are spoken over us as well by God at baptism. That baptism becomes our new clothing. Baptism has a profound implications, not just for our personal lives, but for our corporate lives, as baptism destroys the categories that we have made in society. Your standing is not dependent upon artificial identity markers, male, female, Jew, Greek, wealthy, slave. What would it look like to live in a world that actually lived like those markers don't really mean anything? We probably don't, we probably look, don't read this, uh, that there's these dividers that have been separated and see how shocking this proclamation was. But one of the functions of the law was to serve as guardrails against Gentiles who might come into our orb of influence. And those Gentiles would get us to uh, worship a false god. So the law demanded our purity so that we would not be stained by the world. But baptism undoes that and now asks us to go and be in the places where we might be stained so that we can clean. Rowan Williams says that baptism means being with Jesus in the depths, the depths of human need, including the depths of our own selves and our needs. But also... We are in the depths of God's love. This brings us to our gospel reading. Jesus has come to this largely Gentile community. Right? He, he, he's gone to this place of impurity in order to bring the kingdom of God even there. And he finds a man who is possessed by demons. The man's presence in the cemetery indicates that this may have been part of pagan worship. As we heard in Isaiah 65 today, that those who use pagan worship draw us away from God. Whatever the reasons, the man was, um, the, the community was afraid of him. They oftentimes tried to shackle him and chain him so that he could be kept even further away. I think of Sloth in the movie Goonies, whose family was so afraid of him that they chained him to keep him under control. But he was so strong, he could break those chains just like this man. Luke tells us that Jesus exercises the demons out of this man and there's sort of this funny conversation in which the demons uh, don't want to be driven into the abyss. And so the demons say, hey, Jesus, would you mind me placing me into the pigs? And he does, and the, de- and the pigs then run into the abyss. So they didn't get what they wanted no matter what. Jesus unchains this man not only from the chains that community has placed him, but also delivered him from evil. Some today assume that they just didn't know, and this man probably had some sort of form of mental illness, but I, I think that does injustice both to the reality of evil in the world, and it also equates mental illness with demonic behavior when most people who are mentally ill do not have demonic behavior. 
There's sort of this chronological snobbery that if they just had the, um, the, 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 the information that we have today that these stories would have been written differently, but um, I believe in evil powers. I think sometimes we can be too obsessed by them and place too much of our own failures upon them, but I believe that evil is real, and it needs somebody to defeat it. Even if it means violating the law, the purity, in order to do so. Jesus was willing to violate the laws of purity in order to save the world, to restore community. If serving the law perfectly was the point, he failed. But if announcing the entire world is to be delivered from sin and death, Jesus succeeds. But when I see a world that is still divided and enslaved by the false divisions of gender and wealth and race, I only can ask, did Christians somehow miss the point? The society around Jesus placed great emphasis on those very things, thinking that women could only serve in certain capacities, placing great emphasis on the separation of races and giving the seats of honor based on people's wealth. And the church, sadly, has been all too willing to resurrect those divisions that Christ came to break down. It makes me wonder whether we really want those dividing lines to be healed, or is there a part of us that sort of finds comfort in having those marks of demarcation? I want to be clear that the work that Paul calls us to in his letter to the Galatians is a very difficult and costly work. It is not just simple cheap grace in which we can just pretend like things that once were done were never done. But this costly work is also beautiful and amazing. That reconciliation for Paul is not just about pretending that the divisions do not occur. Reconciliation is not about placing irredeemable shame and guilt Reconciliation is recognizing Christ in each person, just like the God sees us. I heard a preacher once say that we need to provide off-ramps for people. Otherwise, we become stuck like the Griswolds in London in a circle saying, Big Ben, Parliament. We know we want to get off the circle, but we don't know quite how to. And that's what baptism does and the remembering of our baptism does. It places an opportunity to get off the ramp, to get out of the circle. But because we are not perfect like Jesus is perfect, sometimes we slip back into those old practices of getting back into the traffic circle, wanting and figuring out how to get out of it. Confession, prayer, community, and communion are all offer off-ramps to us so that we can be reconciled and healed time and time again, for we serve a gracious and a loving God whom we need not be afraid of. To be sure, it can be tough, it can be difficult, and sometimes frustrating to get out of the traffic circle. Christians have been more than willing to uphold the divisions of race, gender, and wealth for the building of an earthly kingdom, but God calls us to build heavenly kingdoms. 
And we can do this work because we follow a God who loves us and picks us up when we fail at that work. A God who does not desire the death of sinners but for their healing so that we can be unchained and clothed with Christ. Amen.